Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse. It's Tuesday, August 12th. And I really want to say something about Robin Williams and his passing. First of all, I want to acknowledge the loss of one of the great masters of comedy, a wonderful actor, somebody who has the ability to be in all kinds of roles, who brought through so much emotional experience for us and who made us laugh so hard on stage and through his specials and the many, many years of great work that he produced. We will miss him and my condolences to his family and closest friends. It's a huge vacuum that's there now. One of the great masters of our time in this area of comedy is gone. There's nothing that can replace Robin Williams. He was a -a one-of-a-kind. He had a great sense of timing, a complete ability to be out on the edge, not worried about anything when he's on stage, in the complete space of let go. Wild. His subject matter was diverse. He had the ability to really bring home and bring through the rawness and the essence of so many things in life, from nature to sexuality to childbirth, everything and anything you could possibly think about that makes life life. I want to talk a little bit about fame and famous people, what happens when you become great at something and how it is that people find their way to drugs and have an inability to really leave the terrain how it is that depression kicked in for him. And I want to talk a little bit about depression too because I think there's a lot of misinformation about it. So I want to say this. I'm just using this as an occasion to talk about things we don't normally talk about. I was shocked hearing that Robin Williams took his own life. To take your own life, I feel you have to have such unhappiness or such inability to see the way forward or the way through it. An inability to see the light at the end of the tunnel. In my heart of hearts, I feel, right or wrong, that the heart medication he was taking has a part to play in him being depressed. Both his condition with his heart and the medications taken to keep him going. I also feel that There's nothing abnormal about a master in their craft or a person who has great gifts that's experienced the high of highs in their field being kind of out of it, not 100% in the loop anymore, out of that magical space where you're always on. What I'm going to say now is just a little microcosm to think about, but I remember leaving 13 years of tournament tennis, and I remember the unhappiness that ensued while I had the freedom to be away from it and to create new things, the vacuum of going from the high of highs to traditional life is a huge transition. Some people are able to do it and other people are not able to do it. The people that are not able to do it, I believe are not able to do it, not because they're weak, but because they don't know how to navigate the mundaneness of the other space. And the other space of day-to-day is very mundane. It's very humdrum. There's no adrenaline in it. It's very different. And I always said when I left tournament tennis that there should be coaching and there should be information and there should be knowledge so that people know how to navigate this other space. 
how to make life exciting when you're not on stage and you're not performing. How to bring the energy up. Okay, not that everything and anything can really compare to it, but you can have a more heightened state of day-to-day. I just think we don't talk about it, and people don't know how to do it. So unless he was unhappy with family matters, which obviously are very private, I can't imagine what would compel somebody with grown children and a new spouse and who has a great body of work like he does to do that, except missing the highs, really missing the highs. And obviously the heart condition makes you extremely vulnerable. So I don't know. I I don't know. I think it's between him and God. But I do want to speak to the space that would lead someone to do that. United States is a place where if you're down about something for more than three days, people want to put you on drugs. And many doctors will put people on drugs for way less. Easily, you can get scripts for depression. For example, my father was on depression medication later in his life. Now, had he been to an alternative health practitioner who was focused on anti-aging, who was a hormone specialist, they would have told him, listen, Lloyd, your testosterone has dropped to your knees. You barely have anything kicking in. And if you don't have anything kicking in, you're going to be depressed. The testosterone is not going to be doing the things it was doing before because it's not happening. So had he had bioidentical testosterone, he would have got a kick. He would have got his energy back. He would have had a whole different feeling about his life. But there was nobody there to provide that information or experience or expertise. And he was a man of his times. He was not open to it. So depression can be activated not just as a brain problem where you're, quote, clinically depressed. You can be easily depressed by the food you're eating. You can be depressed by watching too much negative television. You can be depressed by having not enough good friends, not enough social, meaningful social activity. You can be depressed because you're not accomplishing what you want to and you don't see how you will. There's so many reasons to be bummed out. Look at what's going on in the world. If you tune into that long enough. Now, my father was a man who watched news every night and listened morning, noon, and night. That's depressing. So I want to say something to the people that think that if you're depressed, you need a psychiatrist. Many times you don't need a psychiatrist. You need to eat better. You need to have more meaningful communication in life. You need to do things that give you joy. Maybe there's medications you need to get off of. Nobody can really say, why did he take his own life? We don't know what medications he was on, what kind of clinical changes it was making. Was it upgrading serotonin or was it downgrading serotonin? You don't have that joy anymore. You know, was it so deep and going on so long? I guess I want to say before we go into, you know, what he should have done, what he could have done and all that, I suspect that many of the elements that could have supported him and helped him feel better were not happening. I can assure you he wasn't on bioidentical hormones. Something was amiss. And I bet it had something to do with the medications he was taking, the condition of his heart, and where he was emotionally and mentally. They all come together in a kind of cocktail that could make a person not see the way forward. I think there are too many people on drugs. There are too many people on prescription drugs because you can get any schmuck to prescribe them. I want to also say that artists in particular are already more sensitive 
than many, many people in other professions to what's going on. They are already internalizing things and processing things on deep levels that a lot of people don't. And it's part of their artistry to do that. So they feel more deeply, they sense more deeply, they see more deeply, they experience more deeply. In general, you know, artists need a kind of protection. The kind of protection they need is not always what we think they should have. And just because he was in the entertainment industry, a publicist or an agent manager is not necessarily their best protectors. I really think this is a call for another kind of management, another kind of looking after artists. I think that this is an example of how you can still have someone at the height of their career or you can have somebody who is a great master in their craft. And they can still be going to people that are not at their level in the area of support. Michael Jackson had a substandard doctor giving him propofol. Other doctors giving celebrities all kinds of scripts for stuff they shouldn't have. So if any schmuck can write a script for whatever they want, I mean, just because someone's the best heart doctor to do some particular operation or some procedure doesn't mean they know anything about anti-aging science. Doesn't mean they know anything about the hormones and how they work and how they impact the brain, the mindset of the person and the body, how they impact emotional well-being, how they impact oxytocin, for example. He may have had a good heart doctor to do that procedure, but I'm not sure that many patients are anything more than experimental lab rats for the medications that they hope are going to do something for them after surgery. Robin Williams has left behind a body of work like few have on the planet. We will be laughing forever and enjoying his movies. And I learned so much from Robin Williams, his ability to let go. That's in particular what I find so interesting is his onstage presence. The guy just totally had the ability to let go and be completely outrageous and insane. He went where very few people are willing to go. Complete madness. (laughs) On behalf of its rainmaking time, I really want to say how sorry I am that Robin Williams didn't see the way forward, that he died so young, that he died the way he died. I know most of us would have wished a way better passing for him, and I would have wished he had better care, much better care around him than he had. I'm not slighting anybody in his presence, but I feel like he didn't have the right care and he didn't have the right knowledge at his disposal. If he did, this may not have happened. And so enjoy Robin Williams' body of work as a great master of comedy. Thank you very much. This is Kim Greenhouse from It's Rainmaking Time. Robin Williams, rest in peace. Thank you again.